Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. All right, we're back. It is Colts and Titans in Week 5. Kevin Bowen and Eddie Garrison with you here on Kevin's Corner. Uh, certainly the Jonathan Taylor headline front and center here this week. I still think a few other news items, I, I think a rather big injury in the short term and the long term to discuss, and, and easily the most banged up we've seen the Colts uh, through the start of this season. And then obviously you've got, I'd say the bully coming in here on Sunday. Anytime I think another opponent has beaten you five times, and then there's a lot I think behind the scenes that is frustrated slash pissed off Jim Irsay. Uh, with this matchup, so certainly one that I would probably say you'd it'd be more beneficial to beat Jacksonville, considering you've already lost to them next week, than it would be to beat Tennessee. But I don't know, maybe in Ursay's eyes, he views Sunday a little bit bigger. Uh, Eddie Garrison, how you doing, man? Doing well. How about you? I am good. Um, we are on a little bit of a time crunch today, so let's hop right into the Taylor situation. As we record this on Wednesday afternoon, the Colts have opened up that 21-day window. So again, in this 21-day period, he is eligible to practice. The assumption there is his first practice will be on Thursday. And at any point, you can bring him up to your 53-man roster and get him into a game. Obviously, a corresponding roster move would need to happen. Um, Eddie, I do think it's a bummer that he misses out on a full week of practice. You know, just to walk through today, I, you know, I think, you know, we can debate the health and the, you know, rehab of Jonathan Taylor. But at the end of the day, this is a new quarterback. This is a new offense. This is a guy that is very practice centric. I mean, he does not miss practice and or game reps very often. That dates back to Wisconsin. So, um, you know, I, I do think it would be beneficial to him for him to get all three days of work in, but after back-to-back overtime games, the Colts electing to go walk through today. Um, you know, he has not practiced. By my count, it's 53 straight practices since he's last been out there. That would be December 15th of last year. Um, is two practices enough? I guess that's kind of the question we sit here on Wednesday afternoon and ask. Certainly Shane Steichen is you know, playing the gamesmanship game and, and not – closing the door shut at all you know Eddie he plays a running back he plays a position where you can run a dude out there for three or five carries and you know hey Trey Sermon time for Jonathan Taylor and obviously uh, that can suffice or Zach Moss Um, or Zach Moss I do find it funny though like or not funny but and I know it's a different injury but you know Zach Moss needed two weeks to get back from a broken arm I guess two weeks of practice I should say yep. after he missed six weeks and that was when you had Deion Jackson and Evan Hull and and I guess Jake Funk I mean you were in a much more of a dire situation than you're at now now at least you have Moss uh, you know part of me sits here and thinks man you know two days of practice time can you imagine if he went out there and aggravated something on Sunday like nobody nobody plays in a NFL football game after missing 10 months of work after two practices. So I, I I lean towards no, but again, I get like this vibe that like, Kevin, maybe you should rethink that thought. So does he play Sunday or not? I think that's a little bit of just like the here and now for those attending the game and for those curious what Sunday's going to look like. They care. But Eddie, the bigger question is what happens in the next month and what happens when Jonathan Taylor finally speaks to the media? Uh, because obviously – 
The Colts are singing a very kumbaya stance on it, but there's a lot of questions that Taylor still needs to answer. We'll see if he does talk. Technically, he's not supposed or he's not mandated to talk till he's on the 53-man roster. Uh, we'll see how that goes on that front. But I would say the final thing on Taylor, Eddie, is if he – or I should say when he does get back – the intrigue and possibilities of him, Anthony Richardson, and Zach Moss spelling as a rushing attack, to me, is very, very, very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that would look like, the dynamic nature to it, the multiplicity of it, the attention that would have to be there, um, that is extremely attractive. And it could be a huge part of this season. Now, granted, we still have to get through where is Taylor at, what does he look like, You know, what does the rest of October look like with the trade deadline coming up. And now in less than four weeks, all of those things still need to be answered. But to me, that could be a elite trait to this Colts team. And in my opinion, they don't have enough elite traits, uh, certainly here in 2023. I look at a guy like Miles Sanders um, this year in Carolina. He's averaging three yards a carry, but when he was in Philly, 4.6, 5.3, 5.5. 4.9. Now, a lot of that, I don't know, has to do with you know them having just a generational offensive line in front of him to block, but also the fact of Jalen Hurts and his ability to run. So if there's anything that close to that production with Jonathan Taylor, we could honestly possibly see KB him averaging six-plus yards per carry because we saw what he was doing without a mobile quarterback. Right. Again, he's never really played in a run offense like this stylistically, whether that is the quarterback or whether that is just their general approach to running the football. Um, and then twofold, Eddie, you just think of the big plays. I mean, yes. there's been times where Zach Moss has hit some creases this year, and I've thought, man, if that's Taylor, that goes double the distance. And big plays, we saw a ton from Richardson on s- Sunday, but I think overall that is something that you are concerned about especially if the running back is not Taylor given the makeup of this room um, I think that's pretty much everything Taylor related I want to get to again it, we just need to hear from him yes. at this point and then we'll certainly see how the rest of this week uh, plays out whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I think the Dallas Flowers injury is a big one. I, I think too. it's a really, really big one. Torn Achilles for him, done for the year. And let's look at it individually, and let's look at it 2023, and let's look at it beyond. Individually, I thought he was giving you nice... Uh, nice reps. You know, I don't act like he was an all-pro, but at the same time, I thought that side of the field, for the most part, wasn't being peppered with a ton of targets and a ton of completions. So um, that, to me, is something that I think you're going to miss. And now, all of a sudden, you bump up Juju. Br- I mean, Juju Brents goes from healthy scratch to he is playing every snap for the rest of the year, which is just wild to think it can flip that quickly but that's where he's at he's probably the top of your depth chart too yeah i mean him and kenny moore of course and then after that outside cornerback positioning right um and and, you know kenny of course will be the outside guy in your uh in your base defense and then the other uh names would be jalen jones and um daryl baker jr who of course daryl baker jr um you know coming off the um benching that he had a couple of weeks ago you know how does he react to that um, again, as we record this, the Colts had a walkthrough. I did want to get this in 
while they just announced the injury report. They did put Jonathan Taylor on the injury report, I guess. Um, well, I guess there's a little bit of a um, an asterisk there. indicates the player is on PUP. Um, but the guys that did not practice, uh, you would have Mo Cox, DeForest Buckner, Shaq Leonard with a groin, Tyquan Lewis, Quentin Nelson, and then Pay, Bernard Ryman in concussion protocol. They say Ryan Kelly full. Again, this is a walkthrough practice, so still some steps to clear. Same for Taylor. For Ryan Kelly. And then, yes, Quentin Nelson was full. Now, again, this is a walkthrough. This is just the estimation of what the injury report would look like with that. Um, so we'll see again Thursday and Friday how things play out from there. Uh, but to go back to Flowers, you know, when you we're talking about corner, you're talking about a premium position. And you're talking about a very uncertain future at that spot, 2023 and beyond. And so now you've lost a guy that they felt highly about from a staff standpoint, and he suffered the injury you don't want to suffer. Like a torn Achilles for a corner, obviously, is not ideal by any means. So um, that is a bummer. And now you're kind of in the mode, Eddie, where you started the offseason with like four or five young corner names that are like, all right, we'll see what they have here. Maybe this guy, maybe that guy. Well, now, in a way, two of them are gone or done for the year. And Darius Rush, of course, and then Dallas Flowers, the other three would be Brents, and then Jalen Jones and Daryl Baker Jr. And in a way, you probably looked at Jones and Baker Jr. as four and five on that list, mostly just because where they were drafted and, and or undrafted in Baker's case. So, um, that to me is where the bummer is of, you know, Richardson's the centerpiece to the season. Well, the, the ancillary pieces to the puzzle you're also trying to find this year. And whether that's, okay, Bernard Ryman is unquestionably a guy. You know, Michael Pittman is here. And then where's Jonathan Taylor? And boom, this and that. Well, corner is one of those ancillary pieces. And now you're taking out a potential piece of, you can't enter 20, 2024 and be like, yeah, Dallas Flowers, pencil him in. I mean, you know, you just you can't do that considering he played three games, four games, and then also he's obviously coming off the torn Achilles on that end. So again, I think disappointing. Um, we'll see what they do at kick returner. They called up Amari Rogers from the practice squad. You know, maybe he's the guy that um, becomes that kick returner there. Darren Hall to the practice squad, a, a corner that started for the Falcons. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know if they looked into Darius Rush trying to sign him off the Chiefs practice squad. That would be something that I would have looked into. Um, but yeah, I thought that was you know a big news item um, from earlier this week that we didn't have a chance to get to. We obviously saw him leave the game late on Sunday, um, but that would be one to uh, certainly keep an eye on. What does your intuition say about the status of Quiddy Pay for Sunday? I just think Eddie. Any time you see guys, and I, I don't, I forget who had the stat. I believe that I think it's no one in the NFL has suffered a concussion in a game and then played the next week this season. It has happened in past years. Um, in the Colts and Drew Ogletree's case, you know he cleared. But anytime you see, and again, this is the estimation by the Colts. If you go off their walkthrough practice report, they listed Pay as did not participate. Mm-hmm. So if he's did not participate on Wednesday, if Ryman is did not participate on Wednesday. Eddie, if you go off of, again, Ogletree was kind of the outlier in this, but that's not a great sign. Right now, I would say they would be on the long shot aspect uh, to this. So, um, certainly an injury report to monitor as the week moves along. I'm trying to think anything else 
I guess the only other thing that I wanted to mention, because I, I did bring this up several times earlier in the week, I found it curious going back and watching Anthony Richardson's performance from Sunday. And, you know, Eddie, I brought this up. You look at inside and outside the pocket numbers. Rough estimate here, but I went back and looked at the 25 attempts for Richardson because I felt like he was so dynamic outside the pocket. He certainly made some plays inside the pocket, but much, much better outside the pocket. Charted it the other night. I had him 5 of 6 outside of the pocket. Mm -hmm. I had him 6 of 19 inside the pocket. And to me, that's what adds to the frustration if you're a Colts fan of watching the final drive of regulation when it was three plays from him inside the pocket. Did you tally any drops in there? Um, I, I mean, I, you know, I guess, you know, was the Pierce a drop? Was the Pittman a drop? You know, I just strictly went off as raw 11 of 25. Okay. I mean, certainly you can have, I don't know, you know, if six of 19, you take away whatever, two or three drops, you know, does that become six of 16 or something like that? Or I guess you would take it nine of 16 if you want to make them a completion there. Um, but if you just look at those numbers, obviously 5 of 6 and 6 of 19, I think the moral is you certainly have got to see improvement from inside the pocket. Um, that is something that you know Chris Boward has always said, the old adage for quarterbacks is at some point you have to deliver from the pocket. Richardson is blessed with obviously incredible athletic gifts, and he made some big plays from the pocket. I don't want to act like it was all just, you know, awful play. I mean, certainly the ball to Donald or the ball to Pierce when Donald was draped on him. The throw to Josh Downs still is the best throw I've seen him make in the NFL. Um, you know, those plays came from the pocket, but just a little bit more consistency you want to see from him in that area. And then the flip side of it is with the game on the line, wouldn't have been smart to get him out of the pocket. Not mm-hmm. only to aid to his strength, but also get away from Aaron Donald in those situations late in the game as well. The other thing I wanted to point out, Eddie, is and Next Gen Stats does a great job of looking at these things of completed air yards, intended air yards. Mm-hmm. Those are the two stats that basically show how vertical are you getting. And Richardson was super dink and dunk in the opener. Like less than four yards in terms of completed air yards uh, on average, and the intended air yards, so the attempts, I mean, that was like five and a half. If you look at Sunday, he led the NFL in both of those categories for week four. It was over 12 in each of them. Again, completed air yards and intended air yards. And that to me is more of what I thought we'd see. More of the, I'm going to challenge you vertically. I'm going to challenge down the field. It might not be the cleanest efficiency game, a.k.a. 11 of 25, but we'll create enough big plays offensively that it should lead to something. And that was a much more of a Richardson-type game than I thought. The expected completion percentage, another next-gen stat, uh, they had him really poor in that area so again I think that's just an area with his accuracy that you certainly you can't you can live with 50 ish uh 55 you know up to 60 I think that's a number that you just want to see uptick and obviously you're naturally going to have some some drops and you know I mean certainly every quarterback around the league is going to have that Richardson might have a few more just considering the fastball that he does throw um but those are a couple takeaways that I wanted to go back and watch Richardson a little bit closer from Sunday that I wanted to get to as well. Uh, anything else Colts-related for you of the week before we dive into the Titans? Nope, I don't have anything else, really. Uh, when you look at the Titans, obviously Derrick Henry, um, DeAndre Hopkins now, which 
you look at the wide receiver cornerback matchup with those two uh, positions in terms of Hopkins in the Colts secondary. Hopkins hasn't looked great to start the year. He struggled to get separation, and Tannehill doesn't have the full trust in him. But right now, I think Derrick Henry's the bigger problem of the two with the health of that defensive line and seeing what Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers just did to the Colts last Sunday. Yeah, and you know, Henry in this series that he's been such a methodical 100-yard guy. I mean, seven of the last eight games, I believe the one game he didn't is when he suffered that foot injury. So you just pencil Mim for 100. It does look like Tennessee might be getting a little bit healthier on their offensive line with Peter Skaronsky, their high pick. Uh, Maybe Nicholas Pete for tier back as well. So we'll see how that plays out as the week moves along. But I would say overall in this series, I try not to go here a lot, Eddie, because it's like, you know, how do you know if you're getting bullied? How do you know if you're really getting out-toughed? But it does feel like Tennessee has done that to Indy. And I think that's what really pisses off Jim Irsay. And, you know, remember kind of had that, you know, undressing of the scouts last year after the loss to Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's beat you five straight. I mean, five straight in the NFL is a notable number, especially when you look at Tennessee and you're like, it's not like they've been the Chiefs, or it's not like they've been... You know, what we think the Eagles, the 49ers, you know, are about to be or have been, I guess, in the 49ers case, a little bit longer than Philly. Um, you know, they're 8-4 and four against you if you go back to when Chris Boward was hired. And I think what is probably frustrating to Ursay is this. You interviewed Mike Vrabel to be your head coach. And in the span of Mike Vrabel's era in Tennessee, you've had four different head coaches. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, you had the egg on egg on the face of Josh McDaniels. Then you had Frank Reich, who obviously struggled against Mike Vrabel. And then, you know, of course, you have the Jeff Saturday, now Shane Steichen. So I think that probably plays into a little bit of like, man, Tennessee used to be the little bro- brother to us. I mean, didn't Andrew Luck like never lose to the Titans? You know, the last time that uh, the Colts had a win at home against Tennessee? Oh, God. I mean, was it uh, 19, 18? 18. Is it that far back? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's an ugly stat. And obviously you've had the home drought of seven straight home losses and all of that. I mean, it's crazy to go back to the last home win. That would be Jacksonville yeah. that you've had and to think of the people that were involved in that game. The Deion Jackson game. You had Frank Reich as your head coach. You had Matt Ryan throwing 58 passes. Deion Jackson and Philip Lindsay are your leading rushers. Bobby O'Karake is your leading tackler. I mean, none of those guys are even here. No. So... Um, those trends I point to Sunday are like, man, they need to end. But again, I still think Jacksonville in the line, if you boil it down to which game matters more these next two weeks, obviously they're both big in their own right. I think Jacksonville means more if you're looking at the AFC South for this season. But if you ask the owner, he might point to Tennessee. Now, Eddie, let's be very honest about Tennessee this year. They have been unbelievable at home, and they have been god-awful on the road. It yes. is one of the wilder polar opposite football teams away from home and at home. And they did play at New Orleans, which I I do think is a tough place to play. But again, it's not like they played San Francisco and Dallas or Miami or whoever. Um, If you look at their numbers, all six of their touchdowns scored this year in the two home games, both wins. They averaged nine points a game on the road. They averaged 27 points a game at home. It's I think it's like a 200-yard difference in total yardage Wow! at home versus the road. So, great news for the Colts, you would think, if that trend continues. But then again, um, 
the opponent and the history. And again, this is me last Wednesday that laid out some things on why I was so confident, and certainly the Friday injury report maybe changed my confidence a little bit with the Rams game, but um, I still didn't think we'd see the Colts lay an egg and get down 23 to nothing, needing the biggest comeback in franchise history you know, to get back in the game. I thought the Rams would struggle a little bit more out of the gate. Uh, they are the top run defense in the NFL. Granted, outside of Watson, they haven't faced a quarterback, and I don't even think Watson is like Richardson when it comes to running, and it's still a different style offense. Um, and, and anytime this matchup, before we move into Twitter questions, Eddie, anytime this matchup arises on the schedule here as of late, I, and this is a credit to Chris Ballard, I don't think there are many guys I would put on this list, Eddie. But Danico Autry, to me, is arguably the only Colt in the Ballard era. I don't know. Maybe somebody can throw another name at me that I'm totally forgetting about right now. But Eddie, I can't think of many Colts that produced here, in my opinion, should have been re-signed, left Indianapolis, and then went on to have a very productive stint era, however you want to call it, somewhere else. Autry is unquestionably that player in my mind. He was huge against the Colts last year. Three sacks in the two games. It was kind of crazy. I I think, let me make this very clear. I think DeForest Buckner is better than Danico Autry. But this to me is pretty wild, Eddie. Since 2020, and that was when Buckner was traded in Indianapolis. Yeah. Danico Autry has more sacks than DeForest Buckner. And that's in playing five less games. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you. If you would have literally told me, hey, Kevin, who has more sacks, Buckner or Autry, in the last four years, I just would have assumed Buckner. And again, it was odd to me that, you know, kind of a little bit of a low ball offer in my mind with Autry. And what was confusing, Eddie, is again, that is a defensive lineman, a versatile, durable guy that. Okay, is he getting up there in age a little bit? Sure, but you rotate so many bodies up front. To me, bringing him back would have made a whole lot of sense. Again, there's not many, and that and that's credit to to Ballard. You know, yeah. when he feels like enough is enough, those guys walk, and they usually don't do anything elsewhere. Autry is the one, and the fact that it's been in your own division, they've bullied you. I mean, hell, they've won what five of the six games with Autry there. So you know, w- w- when you think of all of that, um, that plays into it so um anything else titans related before we move on i don't have anything else yep you ready for twitter questions let's do twitter questions whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you Got to throw a curveball at you. I got this one uh, yesterday. I forgot to send it to you. This is from Cody. Uh, This is Cody's first submission for the pod of a Twitter question. So welcome, Cody. Do we have initiation for Cody? Ooh, good question. (laughs) Kidding. But the idea Cody has is knowing Kevin's love for Reese's, he must give you one every time he calls you Andy. Ah, jeez. I that, said, I think that's a deal. I said, well, Cody Little, do you know Reese's is also my favorite candy? So we're we're in good spirits there. We are set, aren't we? Yeah, I'm in agreement. Let's um, go. But a couple questions here. One, with Alec Pierce not being as big of a factor as some thought, does Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen 
pick a more quality wide receiver in the first round this year. Um, Cody doesn't believe Marvin will be an option, but there are plenty of quality guys who would be available in the middle of the first round. And the second part of this is assuming there are playoff implications for the teams involved, which games would be more interesting to attend for my wife's first NFL action? Hmm. Week 14 against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals or week 15 against the Pittsburgh Steelers? Love the pod. Keep up the great work, Kevin and Andy. What? Oh, wait. I mean, Eddie. Was that was that you or was that? No, that's on the Twitter question. Cody there, outstanding. Uh, I don't know, Cincinnati or Indy, what would be the better environment? I, I mean, dude, does Cincinnati get it turned around? I don't Allegedly, I, Joe Burrow said today that he's never felt better and he thinks the calf injury is behind him. I mean, Cody, outdoors in December in Cincinnati, you probably should mention. I mean, that, that might be a little bit dicey for the first NFL game, indoors against the Steelers. Granted, it'll be a lot of black and yellow no matter what happens. Uh, that is something to note as well. Pecor um, Stadium, downtown Cincinnati, though. Can't go wrong with that either. No, so. some, some some great venues around there, certainly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would lean towards wide out. You know, Eddie, if you were going to make me list, okay, what are the positions of top importance? I, I would lean towards wide out. I mean, I don't know if you were drafting eight or nine overall. Would Brock Bowers look pretty good? I know he's not technically a wide out, but you talk about a weapon for uh, Anthony Richardson moving forward, you know, non-Marvin Harrison division there. So Another tight end, Kevin? Yeah, but to me, if you're going to tell me that's a Kelsey-like guy, I mean, it seems like there is that type of hype with Brock Bowers. Um, that would be hard to pass up in my eyes. But, yeah, I mean, pass catcher in general is probably where I would label it uh, moving into draft season. Turning over a lot of rocks, Brennan. Hey, Kevin, been a while since my last question. With Dallas Flowers injured for the rest of the season, should we expect to see a heavy dose of Jalen Jones in the Tennessee game and beyond? Or do you think Gus Bradley will give Daryl Baker Jr. another chance? Love the pod. I'd like to see Jones, to be honest with you. He obviously went in on Sunday because Daryl Baker was inactive. I mean, I still don't want to act like Daryl Baker doesn't deserve another shot. Again, Daryl Baker had never played an NFL defensive snap until week one. (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, bailing on him after two games or, uh, you know, yeah, pretty much two games. I mean, that, you know, to me, I, I, I don't think that he necessarily deserves that. But I thought Jalen Jones showed a lot in training camp and the offseason. So I wouldn't mind seeing him at all get that nod. Again, I'll be curious to see how things play out. But it sounds like it'll be one of those uh, one of those two guys. Daniel would like to know your expectations for the type of welcome Jonathan Taylor would receive if he suits up at Lucas Oil Stadium this weekend. Daniel assumes that they won't announce him as a starter considering it's just week one for him and he'll need to get back in game shape. So what's the fan reaction to his first carry? Booze or cheers or a mixture of both? We know Victor Oladipo uh, and the Vic on their returns. It was heavy booze. I'm assuming he meant uh, Victor Oladipo and Paul George. Uh, the booze were heavy in their returns. Colts haven't seen a situation like this, and even Jonathan Taylor is different from those two because those players returned on other teams. Yeah. I don't know. There's part of me, idea of, like, would the return against Jacksonville be better for all parties involved? That's true. You know, he, he gets a road game. It's on grass if you really want to get into the injury, you know, grass versus turf thing. I mean, if he goes down there and he has, what, 14 carries for 75 yards in Jacksonville? They'll be coming off two weeks over over on the yeah. across the pond. He comes back, 
fans rejoice. I my fantasy team does after you just whoop my butt. Yeah, and that was that was much needed for my squad there. Thank you for providing. Yeah. That that You're opportunity. Welcome. I mean, you obviously don't announce him out of the tunnel, right? No matter what happens Sunday. Let's say he plays Sunday. Would you announce him? Would you announce the offense? Well, the offense is due, right? Because they, they did, did defense, defense last, last week. week. Yeah. They had Shaq Leonard announced last last week. If we're being honest about 2023 play, don't think that would be the person I would have going last on that. Um, yeah, I mean, ideally, I, again, I, I don't think you would announce. <laughs> I, I think there will be some people that will boo, but as soon as he's got five to seven yards in the first carry, people are going to cheer. People are going to react to the game as if it's happening. I, I Booing individual players in NFL games outside of, like, booing the quarterback, per se, mm-hmm. isn't it kind of hard to, like, boo a whiteout or, like, boo a defensive back or yeah. a linebacker? I don't... I do think the reaction will be a bit mixed. I think when you're in that building, you've lost seven straight in Lucas Oil, you've lost five straight to the Titans. I think overall, it'll be more cheers than boos, but certainly you're going to have some people that are upset with how Taylor has handled all this, and, and we'll see, Eddie. Maybe you know him talking this week would all of a sudden change some of that. Randall loves to see an entertaining loss just as much as an entertaining win this year. I really wish the Colts keyed on Puka Nakua. I'm not sure there was anything they could have done about Aaron Donald. A quarter of the way through the season, what can you say about the Colts definitively? What have you seen that you'd swear is more than growing pains or a flash in the pan? All preseason, we were wondering, who will the Colts be? on the field. So can you glean from the small sample size of four games as to who the Colts are? Yeah. I mean, I, I still feel good about when healthy that, that defensive tackle duo. Um, I do think the offensive line has made some progress when healthy. I, you know, obviously I worry about the depth with that unit. Um, I guess a lot of this is kind of like non-Anthony Richardson division. I, I, I will say I think something the Colts need to continue to tap into and is to take the goal line success I feel like they have with those packages and the unique looks and the and the counters and the you know wishbone kind of get it into into Wing an inverted tea. look um, a little bit of everything that they've done down down there I would think that's such an asset when you get into short yardage elsewhere on the field like you can continue to utilize some of that stuff so I think that is something you feel really good about um, yeah I I mean wideouts continue to be a bit of a question mark uh you know i guess pass catchers in in general um you know defensively it seems like the safety duo it's been quiet but again i'd like to see them around the ball a little bit more i think you've yeah i think you've just kind of struggled eddie to create maybe a lot of those like and this is probably more of a grouping of leonard and the safeties just like those playmakers getting around the ball um I think you would like to see that. Obviously, Kenny Moore made a uh, made a great play. You know, Quiddy Pay certainly had a really nice start to the season. I know he suffered a, a concussion. Who knows when that happened on Sunday? He obviously was very quiet in that game. That would be something to keep an eye on. Of just okay, did you take advantage of the banged up O lines early? Is this or you know were you clearly you know hindered in your play on Sunday? But yeah, I'd say those are some of the things that kind of pop into my head. Ian would like to talk about the amount of left-handed throws that Anthony Richardson makes. He's having <laughs> flashbacks of Carson Wentz, and he says his tally is up to four from Anthony Richardson. Can someone get him to stop? 
Don't make a bad play catastrophic. Gosh. It is so true. You know, if it's Wentz, we're all ready to freak out. It's Richardson. And it's like, hey, should we splice those left-handed throws together and put that out as a highlight <laughs> reel? Uh, it, it is kind of funny how it, it really depends on who the quarterback is and, and how we look at those plays. I will say this, Eddie. When Anthony Richardson has thrown the ball vertically, whatever his completion percentage is in the year, I, I have no idea what it is. 55 is my guess. I don't recall many of those balls being interceptable, though. Right. Like, it, it's either kind of been just your guy has a shot at it or, you know, he's certainly thrown a couple, you know, one hoppers and things like that. You know, when you miss high, I guess, which is probably his primarily, that's probably his main miss. You aren't going to have a ton of opportunities for defensive backs to make plays on that. But I think that is a good thing and that you are staying away from um, turnover-prone plays. But certainly, I mean, the left-handed stuff, yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely playing with fire. And, I mean, there is the... I mean, this is the balance when you have a quarterback like this. I mean, the Donald draped on him throw to Pierce is unfreaking believable. And Eddie, it's also probably a split second away from being a fumble. Yeah. And, and that's just the nature of what you're going to have to live with with him. Of that is that's probably where you're going to see more of the turnover type stuff is when he's trying to shed somebody in the pocket or outside the pocket to extend a play. Naturally, the ball is going to get a little bit loose because you know theoretically you've got an arm, your left arm, that you're trying to get rid of that you know would be sacker, and that means another defensive lineman has a chance to try and you know maybe expose the inability for you to protect the other arm. You you I guess in a way kind of saw that with the fumble there but this is the give and take Ian if you want the highlight plays like the ball to Pierce you're probably gonna have to live with some of that stuff Matt would like to know if Shaq Leonard's low snap count is more of an indictment on his quality of play or injury he hasn't been listed on the injury report but snap counts is way down thought it was very telling when Alubi got the call up before Leonard after Zaire's back injury. Frustrating loss, but a lot to feel good about moving forward. Yeah. I was looking at Leonard's snap counts earlier. Uh huh. 60 in terms of the number. Yeah. 60, 60, 57, 37. Right. And I'm probably more of a percentage guy on that. And the percentage is uh, 86. Week one, 71% week two, because obviously you get overtime games and that can kind of skew how how much you play. 69% week three and then you know 46% on Sunday. That's the first time, Eddie, that EJ Speed is out-snapped him percentage-wise um, would be Sunday. Um, the Colts would point to there are some personnel groupings where they want Speed to be the will and that's why Zaire went out and, and Alubi's more of the mic when Zaire was banged up. That's why... You know, Shaq hasn't necessarily trained at the mic, which, I mean, to be fair, I guess Shaq hasn't really practiced a lot in the Gus Bradley defense. Right. Um, and he's now, playing a new position, right? Yeah, the, the, there are there's certainly some newness to it from the Eberflus era. My thing with Leonard is this after four weeks, Eddie. He's played, I think it's 207 defensive snaps. I remember one of the plays that he's played. Which I, one? I remember a tackle for loss he had against Jacksonville week one. I don't really remember him around the ball. And again, that's probably just harsh of me, and I don't know, maybe I should pay more more attention to Leonard specifically, this and that, but Eddie, I can think of a handful of plays I remember EJ Speed 
was around the ball. One of them negative, of course. But I remember another, you know, four or five that he made on Sunday. And obviously Franklin, I remember a ton of them. But let's just use speed because he's probably more of the guy that would be next man up. And and he's the one that, you know, is now playing a little bit more than, than Leonard. So I think that's where I have a little bit of concern. And we're four games into it. There's 13 to go. Um, he did pop up on the injury report today with a groin injury. Did not participate in the uh, in the walkthrough, as we mentioned earlier. But Eddie, I would feel better about the situation if we saw one or two splash plays from Leonard every single game so far, or even in half the games. And then the question was just become, okay, when does the rust fully knock off and that becomes the norm? But I, I, I haven't seen that yet. Me either. So, it's early. It's four games into it. If you literally said to me right now, Kevin, what would you do with Leonard after the season? Oh my gosh, you would have to have a serious discussion about a restructure and or a cut. The good news is, it is October 4th, and it's four games into it. And 13 games seems like 30 years in an NFL season. So, that's the good news of it, but right now, let's not ignore it. This is, if you were telling me right now... Uh, hey, fourth and goal from the three-yard line, your defense is defending the goal line, and they're up four points. Uh, you're going to go nickel. Who would be your two linebackers on the field? It'd be Franklin and Speed, and I wouldn't think twice about it. I have a few Twitter questions left. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Dallas, longtime listener from Canada. G'day. Kevin, do you think the, that the aggressiveness on fourth down needs to be tempered at all? Hindsight is twenty twenty, but at the same time, I was begging the Colts to kick the field goal while down 23-8 to eight in hopes of a late-game surge. The announcers even said a field goal does nothing here. While I disagreed at the time, it seems to have uh, have bit them in the butt in hindsight. Also, in your opinion, how did Break Freeland look in his first NFL start? Now, Eddie, I thought you made a great point on Monday. That field goal there would have taken it from 23-8 to 8 to 23-11. to 11. You would have still been down 12. Instead of 15, you would have been, out, been down 12, and that still means you need two touchdowns. Obviously, down 15, you need a two-point conversion on, on top of that. With, uh, three, you, with three minutes to go in the third quarter. Right, and, and you know, you hadn't uh, – the Rams had not punted, right? Isn't that what we said? They had not punted up yeah, until that they point. they hadn't punted at that point. So – I am probably team a little bit more aggressive in fourth down than most. Um, now, I don't think it's a blanket statement. And to be fair, I don't think Shane Steichen is a blanket statement guy. I think Frank Reich was a little bit more of analytics, analytics, analytics. I think Shane is a little bit more of I can be, I can acknowledge what's happening in a game situation and realize that go, go, go in week four doesn't mean go, go, go in week seven. Because personnel matters. Game flow matters. Injury matters. I always go back to this. Remember when the Colts lost the Texans in overtime? They went for that fourth down. Yes. And they gave, I think it was Hopkins, right? Just past midfield, right? Yeah, for some reason I thought it was just short of midfield maybe. And that gave Houston a a short field. And then Hopkins made one catch and the game was over. That play, at that point of the game, I think Hilton was out and Jack Doyle was out. If I'm not mistaken, it was Andrew Luck to Chester Rogers. Yeah, that was that was the decision on fourth down. I mean, 
in a way, that'd be like fourth down right now. And be, hey, Richardson, go throw a comeback to Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah. You know, so that's where Eddie, I can look at my sheet and say, okay, fourth and three, three minutes to go in overtime from the 44 yard line. Oh, guys, it says green. It says go. Well, does it say on there that T.Y. Hilton's hurt, Jack Doyle's hurt, and you're throwing the ball to Chester Rogers? Because that would influence my opinion. I, I, I hope that makes sense. And I think Shane is a little bit more cognizant of players matter, not just the Excel spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sam, is there any worry with Anthony Richardson uh, in terms of being protected differently than the rest of the quarterbacks in the NFL. He's a one-on-one size-wise compared to other quarterbacks, and when he gets hit, it may not look as bad as some of the other quarterbacks who may get hit. Like when Shaquille O'Neal played in the NBA and he would get hacked all the time, but it didn't look like a foul because he's so big compared to everyone else. And here locally in Indiana, we're having that same conversation, at least last year, with Zach Eady in Purdue. <laughs> I added that part in there. Yeah, certainly that is true. I did want to throw in, I thought Blake Freeland looked like a fourth-round pick making his first NFL start on the blind side against Aaron Donald. I, I mean, it popping Bernard Ryman's first game from last year, and it looked probably very similar to that, and that obviously wasn't Donald. This is an interesting thought here from Sam. I guess I haven't really, you know, there's more frame to be hit. You can look at it that way. There's also more frame to withstand that hit. Yeah. You know, it's just, it is one of those kind of, I guess, give and takes that you do have there with Richardson. I And again, you know, someone asked me earlier this week, does Richardson have a smaller window of time in the NFL? And that's probably true. Like, again, C.J. Stroud, in my opinion, will probably play longer in the NFL than Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just think that is probably a fair statement to make. I don't know. I could be dead wrong on that. But I, I will say this about Richardson, Eddie. His poise in the pocket is brilliant. I mean, that that impresses me so much. And that was the biggest thing that, that I think sold the Colts on him. Obviously, the combine numbers speak for itself. But once they got to know him, how he was wired, and then the more and more they watched his just pocket presence at Florida, it's not deer in headlights. It's not ducking when pressure gets in your face. It's incredible. And the ball to Pierce is exactly that. Um, all right, I got to run in two minutes. So let's get this question in, give our picks, and let's bounce. Jamie, in overtime, the Rams were still running the ball. I didn't see Grover out there. Gus Bradley assuming they were going to pass. Two. Other than field punts, Isaiah McKenzie has not done much. Think KJ Hamler could be elevated. Is there any? Uh, is there another PR option? Punt returner. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, you know the answer on on that again. Amari Rogers is the guy that brought up the fifty three man roster. I mean KJ Hamler's barely played in the last couple of years, so I think you'd probably want to see him prove it a little bit more before you just give him returning re- returner responsibilities. Was Grover really not out there during overtime? I don't know. I mean, eight plays of overtime? I mean, I could maybe see a sub midway through that drive, but I would hope that'd only be for a player too. And didn't the Rams take a timeout on that series as well? For some reason, I feel yes. like they took kind of an early timeout there. Yes. Uh, but they, they they certainly gashed you there. Buckner was on a pitch count, and, and I leaned over to Chap, Mike Chappell during overtime. I'm like, I wonder if Buckner's hit the pitch count. He was a, primarily a third and fourth down guy. Now mm-hmm. granted, in overtime, you had one third down. And that was obviously the Puka Nakua touchdown on that. And by the way, if you missed it, Sean McVay, pretty high praise for Anthony Richardson. I tweeted out that quote, put it in the notebook that is available on 1075thefan.com. Uh, Eddie, I'm going to think it's ugly. I'll go 1916 Colts. 
I was wondering the same thing, but I was going to go like 13 to 10. That Wow, ugly. that's even uglier. I, I don't know if I want to watch that. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I'll go 16 to 10. I mean, we obviously, those are way unders. I think 42, if I'm not mistaken, 42 and a half is the over-under right now. Colts favored by one. So the two, next two weeks, I mean. Two teams running the ball, clock's going to run. So yeah. These are know. big. The next two weeks, vital. Again, you're one-on-one in the division right now. We know the history with Tennessee, and then obviously Jacksonville next week after already losing to them in week one is big. He is Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week, great weekend. We will talk to you on Monday. Kevin's Corner signing off.